and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Christians tend to take it as a basic tenet that we should pray. But before asking what we should pray for, shouldn't we first ask, why pray at all? Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, so it seems like a bit of an impertinent question, but perhaps one still worth answering. Lead teacher Randy Pope starts the new series, Ready, Aim, Pray, with this message entitled, Why Pray?, which covers Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Thank you for joining us today. Were I to ask you as a congregation, how many of you feel a significant need, not just some need, but a significant need for a more substantial prayer life? I would imagine that the vast overwhelming majority of us would say, that's me. Were I to dig a little further and on a personal level ask, why is it that you feel such a need? Now, granted, everybody, who's going to say my prayer life is everything it needs to be? But I'm talking about a substantial need. And I'd say, well, why do you feel that kind of need? And the responses would vary, I know. But I have a feeling that there would be a number of folks that would say, well, the first thing is I'm just undisciplined. And my mind seems to wander a bit. And uh, I I don't know. I believe in prayer, and I think it's very important and effective, but I I just struggle to pray. Other people would say, well, I tell you, I think my my concern is I'm just not so motivated because if I'm honest, I can't see that many things happening differently, in my opinion, because I have prayed and therefore saw things happen differently. So why keep praying? Other people would say, I just don't understand prayer. I got so many unanswered questions about prayer. The big one being if God knows all and is in charge of all and he is decreeing all things that happen in this earth and he's not changeable and all that, then what difference do my prayers make anyway? I don't understand prayer. I'm not good at praying. Well, I think like anything else, whether it be work at the marketplace or schoolwork or whether it be a sport that you're asked to participate in or even to watch an athletic event, something we do not understand and particularly not good at, we typically just don't want to have anything to do with it. And there is the story of many of us here at Perimeter Church. We're in the beginning of a series, and the series is entitled Ready, Aim, Pray. Some of you have heard that title before because I preached this same series 15 years ago. I think three or four months shy, 15 years. We've used this in the journey group curriculum. Many of you have been in the journey group and you've listened to the audio tapes of of this. And when I say audio tapes, that's where they started. In fact, I don't know, 15 years ago, you may have had a needle in a a little round thing that circled. I'm not sure. But uh, we've known for a long time we need an update of that series for our journey group. But I hope you don't think, if you've been through the journey, you've heard it, you've been through it before, I hope you don't think, well, this is old stuff. I've been there. I don't need this. I cannot imagine that being the case. And the reason I say that is because I'm the one that prepared and taught those messages 15 years ago. I've listened to them through the journey group. So I know. I know the content well. And I found myself this week thanking God, literally thanking God, that I'm now going back through this again because I'm finding what a need I have for it. 
And so I hope you're going to find this to be a very important series. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, ask that everybody here that uh, is a part of this church, that you look at this series as you would if you were taking an educational course for credit. Now you think about what are you getting for credit in an educational course you take? For the most part, you're just getting a letter grade handed to you by one person who is no more significant than you are. And their grade to you tends to dictate, okay, I'm going to study hard, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to do the best I can do, and it's only for a grade. Folks, what we're talking about here is something that can change our relationship with God for all eternity. It can. It can absolutely give you peace and give me peace like we would not have otherwise in life. It actually is going to enable us to see things happen in life that would not have happened were we not to have prayed the way we prayed. Folks, I'm suggesting there's a whole lot at stake in this, and so I'm going to ask you, treat it like you would a course. I'm going to view myself as an equipper. I'm not going to be a preacher telling you stuff. I'm thinking as I prepare, how do I help the people of this church get from where you are to a better prayer life? And folks, it does not have to be, a, I mean, a substantial leap in your prayer life. If we just make a little progress and we stick to it and stay on course, I'm telling you, in years to come, it is going to make a huge difference in our lives. I know that there's a sense in which I feel a little unworthy and, and unqualified. Unqualified to be able to teach this series. If I were to invite you into my prayer life and say, I want you for a week, I want you just to observe what you see in me and what I do, what it looks like, how much time? I just want you to explore and know what I know about my prayer life. I wouldn't be ashamed to invite you in. I don't think that you would find something that was inappropriate and not healthy and there wasn't enough time or there wasn't any time given to it. But I think you would be shocked. I think you'd be shocked in saying, oh man, that, that was it? That's all it was? In fact, I thought this morning, I had about 20 minutes that I'd finished my little time in the Word. I said, all right, I'm going to spend a little time in prayer. I looked up, I had about 20 minutes. I said, I'm just going to spend 20 minutes and just alone with God. I'm just going to be talking to Him for 20 minutes. And I want to just imagine that someone were eavesdropping. Now, you want to be on your best foot if you know somebody's eavesdropping, right? So within that 20 minutes... I can't be for sure, but I think I fell asleep. Not positive. If I wasn't, I was very, very close. Because I remember coming to kind of saying, am I still praying or not? I know this, that golf came into my mind during that prayer time. And it wasn't any holy request to lead somebody to Christ on the golf course. I know during this time, I found myself saying, oops, sorry, Lord, my mind drifted there on that one. Excuse me for that. I don't know where it went there, but it did go for a few minutes. Sorry. I can remember sitting there for a few minutes saying, Lord, I'm not sure what I want to say right now, but I'm glad you're here with me. You would not have heard a constant talk. You would not have heard any beautiful language. You would not, you would not have been impressed. That's all I got to say. 
But I believe that God was delighted in the time. I believe I benefited from the time. And I think I'll explain in the teaching of this series why it was a benefit. Folks, I think many of us have an idea of what prayer should be. And we think we're far from it. And therefore, why try? And I want to put your minds to rest. I want to give you a teaching that's going to help you understand prayer that's real prayer. But prayer that makes a difference in God's kingdom and other people's lives and certainly in our own lives. So I want to pray to that end. I want to ask God that he is going to take us in the series and benefit our lives. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we come to this series, we, we want to think of it as a course. And, and there'll be a little homework. And I pray, Father, you would lead us to be faithful to the little bit of homework application. Maybe some of our leadership and staff will be putting together a laboratory of prayer of something, and maybe we'd be faithful to try to get to that if we could. I, I don't know, but with all of this appearing as a, as a course and a, and a teaching, I pray that this would be the preaching of your word, that it would be worship, and that we would see our hearts greatly impacted by the truth of your word this day. Grant all of this, we pray, so that at the end, that your name would greatly be honored, that we would be in deeper, closer fellowship with you. Our life would reflect a different way of life, a better life. But most importantly, that your name would be honored. Grant that, we pray. We ask it in the great name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. We're going to be using what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's, a, again, a series entitled Ready, Aim, Pray. We're going to be talking about five targets that are included in the Lord's Prayer. This has been an outline of prayer that I have used since I taught the series 15 years ago, and it has served me so well. This morning, my time of prayer went by rather quickly because I didn't have to sit there in time of prayer and say, okay, what do I want to say now? What do I want to say now? I had an outline in my mind. And I went from one target to the next target to the next target to the next target. And I know that target, what it means now, and, and it expands into so many areas. It's amazing how much time can be captured in prayer without you even recognizing it. And so we're going to go through those. There are two times that the Lord's Prayer, which is the heart of this prayer, the Lord's Prayer is given in Scripture. The first is in the text I'd like for you to look up with me right now in your Bibles, which is Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9. Matthew chapter 6. This is the teaching as we know it in the Sermon of the Mount. There is a second recording of the same teaching. It's a little bit different the way the Lord's Prayer, but it's virtually the same. And that's in the book of Luke chapter 11. But we're going to be focusing on the Matthew text. Matthew chapter 6. I'd like for you to follow as I read this. And let's begin with it. We're going to end with it. It reads like this, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I'm going to stop there and say, that is a horrible translation. You find it in every Bible. Any scholar of the scriptures 
can tell you it is a bad translation. It's misleading. It teaches you something that is not true. By that, we would assume that God would lead us into temptation, and therefore, God, please don't do that. That could never happen. If you look at the original language, and we'll get into this when we hit this particular text, but when you get into it, it's really deliver us from the evil one so that we may not be led into temptation. And then it goes on, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So there is the prayer. Let me tell you how it's introduced. It's introduced by Jesus teaching the people before him. He said, now I want you to be careful. He gave us a caution. He said, be careful when you pray. Two things he warned of. He says, be careful that you don't do it in public in a way just to be heard by people. Don't have your prayers to be for people. So he says, do your prayers secretively. It's not saying it's wrong to have a public prayer. There were public prayer meetings in Scripture that God talks about. We know that. But the heart attitude should be privacy. Secondly, he says, be sure when you do it that you're praying sincerely. Don't pray in such a way that you're just praying, but it's not a sincere heart prayer. So having warned of that, we come to verse 8. Look at verse 8 that introduces what we just read. So do not be like them, and that is the scribes and the Pharisees who do it publicly and do it for applause. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now that throws us right there. We think about it. He's saying, I know everything you need before you ask me. So therefore, go ahead and ask me. Well, wait, wait. Why do I need to ask you? Well, because you need to ask me. Well, but why? You already know what I need. Why do I have to spend time talking to you about what I need when you already know what I need? That doesn't make sense. And that tells us that many of us really don't understand prayer. And that's why we're going to start this first teaching on why pray. This is about why pray. And then next week, we're going to start five weeks of how to pray. And we're going to take each one of the five targets. I'll outline them at the end of the message. And then we'll begin to practice those week after week after week until Lord willing, at the end of those five weeks, we're going to have a handle on prayer, and we're going to go into our prayer time saying, I think I know where I'm going. I think I know what I want to achieve. I think I understand prayer better, and I want to pray more now. That'll be the goal. Now, having shared that, we're going to look now at three reasons that we would pray. This is all found in God's Word, as you will see. So let's walk through them very quickly. Number one. Prayer makes a difference because prayer builds relationship. Prayer builds relationship. Conversationally, this is the aspect of a relationship that draws us close to God. You name any relationship, whether it be a boss, whether it be a friend, whether it be your spouse, conversation has got to be a part of any relationship that's going to get closer. Carol and I have on many occasions had that little discussion. Usually it's initiated by her, unfortunately, but it says, it goes like this, and everybody's familiar. We've talked about it. We need to talk. And, and most men hear that and go, ooh, 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 ooh. Don't really want to talk. Now, that's happened on occasion with me where Carol would say, we need to talk, and I go, well, I know what that means. It means our relationship has been drifting. We're not as close as we were or as close as we need to be. And she's saying, we need 
to converse. We need to talk about it. And in doing so, our relationship can get back where it needs to be. Well, prayer is nothing less than conversation with God. One reason we pray is God just says, I want to be close to you. I want you to be close to me. Yes, I know everything you need before you could ever ask. But I want you to ask because in asking, it's going to draw us much closer together. Now, hear this, and we'll underscore this numerous times through the series. The design of prayer is not to change the plans or the mind of God. There will never be a prayer that we give, that we ask of the Lord, that he says, my purpose, my intention, my plan, my design from all eternity was this. And now because you prayed, I'm going to do this, and it's going to change my mind. Now, I'm going to put a little asterisk by that because there's a sense in which we'll say, well, you're contradicting yourself a little later because you're going to talk about how prayer makes a difference. But, but in sense of what God has, has planned for all eternity, no, no, no. We do not change that. Well, then, then what's, the, what's the intent of prayer? Know this, that the design of prayer is to position us with God so that he can use us, he can lead us, and that we can love him more. That is a major design of prayer. And so if nothing ever happened because of our prayers, I mean, nothing ever happened in life, nothing changed, nobody was healed, nobody got better income, nobody did this, nobody, nothing of that happened of our request. One thing would be sure is the relationship would grow tighter and tighter and tighter. And that's why I feel I could spend 20 minutes this morning and say, boy, that could have been a more efficient use of time had my mind been more focused, had I been even more deeply engaged. But I sensed that I was with my father, and I talked to him as a loving father. And there's something good. Even in one of the times that my mind would, would stray, it just reminded me of the goodness of God. I said, God, I love to think, now you're not mad at me, you love me. Just because my mind went astray? Are you kidding me? You're the one that sent your son. So just remember, very important, it builds relationship. Look at these two scriptures. Look, first of all, at, at Psalm 116.1. It says, I love the Lord, and this is David, I love the Lord, and look why, because he hears my voice and my supplications. He didn't say because he answered him, because he did everything I asked him to do. He said, I love the Lord because he hears me. Is God going to answer all my prayers this morning? No, not the way I prayed them. I'm sure not. I'll tell you this. I know that he heard them. I, I sensed to be in his presence. If I even didn't sense his presence, I know I was in his presence. And that's good. Look at Psalm 145, verse 18. The psalmist says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. So it's just calling upon him. What happens? The nearness of God just to call upon him. I bet you know as I do the experience or at least someone who's had the experience of going through such a huge tragedy. I mean big time tragedy. Loss of a loved one, a spouse, a child or something like that. Or uh, maybe it's a, uh, a time of, of despair financially. Or, but something something 
pretty sizable happens in your life. And as a Christian, you've said, you know, that was the worst time of my life. But I think I was closer to God during those few minutes, uh, or those few days or weeks or whatever. I was closer to God during that time than I am other times of my life. Isn't that odd? I know a friend of mine that was going through, I mean, tragic life circumstances, tragic circumstances. And we were talking and talking and talking and together. And I knew his heart and his pain and his struggle. And after weeks and weeks of talking, I remember one day looking at him and I said, I am so jealous of you. He looked at me and said, for what? And I said, because of all the pain and heartache and struggle that you're going through, I'm jealous. Not for the pain. I don't want what you're going through. Man, oh, man. But I sure love what you're getting as a result of it. I think of a friend on our staff with our perimeter ministries back years ago. He's now with the Lord. He was dying of cancer at the time, and it was a terminal cancer. He knew it. But I remember him saying to me, if I knew right now that I could be healed of my cancer, as despicable as this cancer is, as nauseous as I'm staying, and all the stuff, but he says, if I could know I could be healed right now, but I knew that would mean I would lose what I've gained in my closeness to God, I would say, let me keep the cancer. And I do not believe he was just throwing, throwing words at me because I'm the pastor. I think he really meant it. What he's saying is, man, I've gotten close. I've gotten so close to the Lord. Well, what's happened during all this time of pain and heartache? And cried out to God, saying, oh, God, please, would you? God, would you? Please, God, God. And next thing you know, he's been with God so much, he feels the closeness and the nearness of God. Isn't that something? So first of all, know this. If there were no other reason, it's worthy to pray because it builds relationship with a God that loves us so much, okay? Number two, prayer begets peace. And so there's great peace to be gained in prayer as well. Reads like this. Let's turn to Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Or you've got your text maybe in the Lord's Prayer. You can just look at the screen. But great text. Many of you are very familiar with this one. But this is an important one. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And look what it says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And look at the word guard there. The word guard is like that of a military guard, the word that's used. Can pick a stronger word. He's saying, going to guard your minds and your hearts. Well, what is hearts? The hearts refer to the emotions that we have. It'll actually guard the emotive part of our life. The minds, there is our thinking, our thoughts. Isn't it in our feelings and our thoughts that we get so trapped and we get so bound because we're worried, we're anxious, and we feel anxious, and we think thoughts of, oh, what's going to happen now? And, and he says, look, here's the deal. You pray and let your request be known to me. I'm not promising I'm going to give you everything you ask for. In fact, I won't give you much that you ask for because it's not best for you. You don't see it, but I do. And I'm not going to do it because I love you too much to give it to you. But I'll tell you what I'll give you. I'll give you a piece in place of that kind of, uh, of anxious worry, I will give you peace that passes human comprehension. Now, here's the way I see that working. 
I had somebody last night that came up and said, uh, tell me this, and the husband was standing there with him. My husband says that you should only pray for big things, not little things. And I looked over and I said, well, you know, I pray for little things if it's the desire of my heart. It says, let your requests be known. And it didn't say big requests. And he said, well, I kind of figured I need to save up the few until I, I had the big ones, you know, that came along. And then I, I don't want to cash in everything too early. I want to have my... And I said, no, 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 no. You're missing a little bit there. This is your father. He wants you to talk to him about everything. So you just tell him everything you want. But here's the deal. Let's say that I wanted something that I just have a sense God doesn't want for me. Let's say that I want something very, very, very extravagant and very, very expensive, and I don't have the income, and it wouldn't be a good stewardship decision for me, and I know that pretty well, but I've always wanted this one thing, and so I start, man, I want that so bad. And all I can think about is how much I want it. Well, wouldn't it be better for me to have a piece about not having it? So what do I do? Say, Lord, I know this is kind of strange because I know you don't want me to have this and I know you're not going to give it to me, but would you give me such and such and so and so? Would you do that? Would you give it to me? And then I don't get it. What does that make me think? If I think the truth, I say, you know what? I asked God. He didn't give it to me. He knows what's best for me. He loves me the most. Therefore, it's a good thing that I didn't get it. Now, that's what I think. Does that mean I feel that way? No. Does it even mean that I believe that? Not necessarily. But just thinking it is the beginning process. Think on the truth and the truth sets you free. I think this thing of being able to know we can ask God anything and know that he says, I may or may not give it to you, but I will give you, I will give you a peace. That is a promise secured from God in heaven. I promise you, I will give you peace. And so we know that he promises, I will give it to you. Now, I love this little hymn. It's a, a hymn, I'll put up the, uh, the words, what a friend. Uh, one verse goes like this, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So true. So number two, let's remember this. Prayer begets peace. So it builds relationship, it begets peace. Now we're going to hit the last and final piece, and that is the one that I think is the most challenging for us to hold on to, and that's the idea that prayer brings results. I like that better than saying prayer changes the mind of God. It doesn't change the mind of God, but it does bring results. So let's look at a few texts. How about James 5? Beginning in verse 16, it says, Therefore... Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That is, can make things happen. He illustrates with Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three and a, three and a half years, three years and six months. Then he prayed again and the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. Now, I think you can read in Scripture here that God intended us to see here that what Elijah did in prayer caused the result of rain or no rain. There's no question about that. There's so many texts. You think about Peter. He's in prison. What's happening? The people, the Christians are in a room praying, God deliver Peter, and Peter gets delivered. 
You don't think there's a connection there that they were praying? Absolutely. In fact, in James chapter 4, the second verse, it ends like this. It simply says, you do not have because you do not ask. So God wants us to see there is a connection between our praying and what happens as a result. Don't ever think prayer is just about relationship and it's just about peace, but it really doesn't make a difference. Oh, it does make a difference. I want to help you try to understand that. First of all, know this. There is no place in all of God's word, there's no place for determinative fatalism. That's a term referring to whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. Whether with or without God, it happens. Not so. That's really atheistic. No, the Bible is very clear. Ephesians 1.11, he has declared, he has determined whatsoever comes to pass. No question about it. We read in the Bible that God is immutable, meaning that he can never change. And therefore, we say his mind can't change if he can't change. Well, hold on just a second. Wait, 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 wait. Aren't there scriptures that even say that God changed his mind? For instance, look at Exodus chapter 32, verse 14. So the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Now, you're telling me that God doesn't change his mind, and it says here that he does change his mind. And that is what I'm saying because you have to understand this has a term for it to describe it, and it's called an anthropomorphism. Now, you can forget that right now. You don't need that word. But to help you understand, anthro is man. Morphism is change. It's where we change God into the likeness of man, and God does so in his word so that we might better understand a God that we otherwise couldn't understand. I mean, the Bible talks about God and gets angry and his nostrils begin to widen in anger. What, does God have nostrils? No. God stretched out his hand. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God didn't have a hand. In fact, we know that God does not have a body as man does. But it talks about his hand, his mind, his brain. Well, well he doesn't really have a brain as such. So we forget that God is so other that it's hard to understand him, but God says, I want you to just have a sense to know that there was something that happened as a result of your prayers. And all it would appear as if he changed his mind or he stretched out his hand or he did. But that's just an anthropomorphism. So to understand this, I'm going to introduce another term. That's one you can throw away as well. You'll probably not use it again, but I want you to understand it. It's called theological concurrence is the word. Theological concurrence concurrence. Let me give you a definition of it given by Wayne Grudem, who I highly respect, and he puts it this way. He says, concurrence is an aspect of God's providence whereby he cooperates with created things in every action, directing their distinctive properties to cause them to act as they do. Maybe a simpler way of understanding this is that God uses secondary causes meaning that God not only ordains what's coming to pass, but he ordains the cause that causes that to come to pass and the secondary cause to that and the secondary cause because there's God. I mean, he has ordained whatsoever comes to pass, which means this, that yes, God chooses to do something, but he wouldn't do it were I not praying. But he's ordained that I pray as well. 
wow. Now you got me a little confused there, Randy. I mean, you know, this is a little confused. Please understand, folks, there's no way anybody explains the thoughts of God, the ways of God, the abilities of God. We are so prone to think God is just an extreme human being, and he's not. He's God. And so in Scripture, I think it's fair to say the Scriptures teach that he ordains whatsoever comes to pass, and at the same time that we pray and things happen because we pray, God brings results. I love the way Burkhoff, the great theologian Burkhoff, says, he says, this must remain a mystery. And when we think it can't be a mystery or it's not right, we have sold our God short, right? It is not a contradiction, but it is a mystery. And with that, we have to say, about as far as we can go. But to put it in a practical way, I tell the story of one of my dear friends growing up named David. And David and I went to first grade all the way up through high school. Twelfth grade, graduated, we went to college. David never embraced the things of God. God worked in my heart by his grace and drew me to know him, and, and I was concerned for David. And, uh, and I would share the Lord with David. One time in a very, very clear, long time, we talked about Christ and, and the work. And at the end, he said, I am just not interested. Uh, it's not for me. I have friends. I have life. I have party. I have, I have too much. I'm not interested. That, that's just, I'm, not that I'm not interested, but I'm just not embracing. I don't want it. He was in a tragic, tragic accident. He was left a, a paraplegic while in college. His life changed a lot. I mean, an awful lot. And I watched his body deteriorating and his life just isolated in the pain and the struggle and the hospital after hospital after hospital. And it, it just reaffirmed the great need that, that I sensed he needed to understand the truth of the gospel. And so I would go to my hometown on occasion, and whenever I could, I'd slip by and see David. I'd Always find him there in his wheelchair, in bed, and always alone and very isolated life. And I remember talking to him, and it was kind of the same thing. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And I'd prayed for him now for 20, 25, 30, 30 years. And I can't tell you the number of times, though my prayer list is in pencil, how many times that I have erased his name from my prayer list. After years of praying, seeing no interest, I'd say, God, I only keep about 20 or 25 people on this list as a rule. I don't want to get it so long I can't. And I think I'm going to replace his name. And I'd strike his name out. I'd erase it. And every time I would erase his name, it would be immediately. I mean, within seconds, I'd go, I can't do that. And I'd write his name back in. And I'd keep praying. I'd go visit him a year or two later. And no, no interest, nothing. And I'd say, okay. And I'd erase his name again. God, then I have to put now. I was erasing other people's names without any sense of problem, but for some reason I couldn't erase David's name. And then, uh, I don't know, a year or two before he died, I happened to go by to see him. Late night, laying there in bed, and I sit down to visit with him, and he tells me he's come to the Lord. He tells me how he did it, watching a late night evangelist on television and what happened and how his heart embraced Christ. And I really believe he became a Christian from that day forth. I think I sensed there was a real life change in him. He truly became a Christian. Now here, what do I think about my prayers? There may have been other people praying for him. There may be many, many people. I don't know. But I know this. I think God used my prayers. And there was something in me that sensed, had I taken his name off, 
that he may not have become a Christian. Well, wait, 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 wait. If he's elect from all time, he would be if he ever was. That's true. But, but if I didn't pray, he wouldn't be. Yeah, that's true. I mean, because God uses secondary causes. Again, don't think that we're going to maneuver the ways of God. Don't believe that for a minute. In fact, that's one of the great dangers about prayer. And I want to close out with this. Our motive in prayer can sometimes be so wrong and sometimes without us even knowing it that it causes the, the value of an otherwise important function to be lost. Imagine a husband that constantly brought home carnations to his wife. And his wife so delighted in those carnations. And for years enjoyed the love of her husband to bring her carnations. And then after those many years to find out through somebody else or somehow that all along he was bringing home carnations because it reminded him of his first girlfriend who he's never forgotten who loved carnations. Now, folks, I think at that point, the great benefit of bringing home carnations is gone. Would you agree? Do you know, I think that there are so many of us that are going in with the motive of prayer to say, I'm going to pray so I can get. I'm going to pray so I can change God's mind. I'm going to pray so that God will, as if we're going to change. No, don't go about it like that. Go about it knowing, though it's a mystery, God uses my prayers. But I go to prayer because it really does build relationship. It does leave me with a peace that I couldn't have were I not to ask God, knowing he'd provide it, if it were good for me. And then there's another reason we've not even talked about. Were none of those reasons there, it would be worth doing because God says so. He says, pray without ceasing. And though we wouldn't even understand why, we should trust him and say, I'm going to pray. But I just know this. If God says pray, it's a good thing to do. We do that, I think good things happen. I want you to look now at the Lord's Prayer as we close. And I want us to pray this prayer together. This prayer is, is something we're going to use as a model. And as we do, I want you to note, though this does not have the verses on it. And... Um, but the verses on here would tell you, you can break them down into the five targets of prayer. And I'm going to show you those five targets. But each one comes by the verse itself. In fact, if we could, let's flip around and let's put up the five targets. I might put that up first, and that might be more beneficial, and then we'll do the prayer. Here they are. Number one, God's honor. That's the first nine where it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then we come to his kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then God's provision, verse 11. And give us this day our daily bread. Simple request. Give us this day our daily bread. And then we come to God's forgiveness. And forgive us our debts or trespasses, even as we forgive those who have trespassed or sinned against us. And then the very last, God's power. Deliver us from the evil ones so that we may not be led to temptation. And then we close it out. For yours is the kingdom and the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to ask us to do this. I'm going to ask us this week that we would have a homework assignment. And here it is. God's honor, verse 9. I have not taught it yet. I will next week. But I think one of the great ways of learning is to 
is to try to try to explore something before you've been instructed. Find what you discover as you explore and then be taught about it and then go back again and see how it changes. So I know we've not taught about, well, God's honor. How do you pray God's honor? But we got a general direction. Would you do this? Every one of us, every day this next week, whether it be 60 seconds, 30 seconds, two minutes, five, doesn't matter. Would all of us try to pray God's honor? Just say to the Lord, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If that's all we do, do that. But wherever you think you can expand and pray about his honor, you do that and see what happens, okay? I'd like for us now to do this. I'd like for us to close praying it together. Eyes can be open. We can read it together. But I want us to now invite God, the present one, to be with us. He is our Father. That means he cares for us. He is in heaven. That means he's capable. And so now we're going to ask him, beginning with hallowed be thy name. Let's pray together. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And deliver us from the evil one so that we may not be led into temptation. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's continue to pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray that we would all understand in a very special way right now that praying in no way causes us to be accepted more by you, that that is the work of the cross and the cross alone. Thank you that we are in that perfect relationship with you in terms of your acceptance. And we embrace that now and say thank you for such an acceptance through Christ and his work. But Father, we want to build a relationship with you. Some of us have to admit we've drifted. We're far from you. Some of us to say we've never gotten close to you. Never felt I could be real with you. And to be honest, you know my heart, I never felt I could trust you. But as I learn more about you in prayer, I I want to get close to you. And I want you to take me through these next several weeks. And let me feel that a friendship has been rekindled and birthed anew and afresh. And pray that I can be real while being with you. So, Father, I'm going to pray that you're going to now allow us to draw close, though a constant memory that we could not be accepted more. And in light of that, to delight in what's coming up these next weeks. Would you protect our schedules when the conflicts will come up so readily and say, don't come? When something would keep us from doing the homework assignment. I pray, Father, that you would take us to the end of this series, more in love with you. And for that, we give you thanks. And we pray in the matchless name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia, with services Saturday night at 6 
and Sunday morning at 9 and 1045. Please visit our website for more information at www.perimeter.org. Be sure to visit the Media Resources section to give us your feedback and find other messages from our teaching team.